Homily 12 of Homilies on Ephesians by St. John Chrysostom. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Homily 12, Ephesians 4, 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye no longer walk as the Gentiles also walk, in the vanity of their mind, being darkened in their understanding it is the duty of the teacher to build up and restore the souls of his disciples not only by counselling and instructing them but also by alarming them and delivering them up to god for when the words spoken by men as coming from fellow-servants are not sufficient to kindle the soul it then becomes necessary to make over the case to god this accordingly paul does also for having discoursed concerning lowliness and concerning unity and concerning our duty not to rise up one against another hear what he says this i say therefore and testify in the lord that ye no longer walk as the gentiles also walk he does not say that ye henceforth walk not as ye are now walking for that expression would have struck too hard but he plainly indicates the same thing only he brings his example from others and so in writing to the thessalonians he does this very same thing where he says not in the passion of lust even as the gentiles which know not god ye differ from them he means to say in doctrine but that is wholly god's work what i require on your path is the life and the course of behavior that is after god this is your own and i call the lord to witness what i have said that i have not shrunk but have told you how ye ought to walk in the vanity saith he of their mind what is vanity of mind it is the being busied about vain things and what are those vain things but all things in the present life of which the preacher saith vanity of vanities all is vanity but a man will say if they be vain and vanity wherefore were they made if they are god's works how are they vain and great is the dispute concerning these things but hearken beloved it is not the works of god which he calls vain god forbid the heaven is not vain the earth is not vain god forbid nor the sun nor the moon and stars nor our own body no all these are very good but what is vain let us hear the preacher himself what he saith i planted me vineyards i gat me men singers and women singers i made me pools of water i had great possession of herds and flocks i gathered me also silver and gold and i saw that these are vanity and again vanity of vanities all things are vanity hear also what the prophet saith he heapeth up riches and knoweth not who shall gather them such is vanity of vanities your splendid buildings your vast and overflowing riches the herds of slaves that bustle along the public square your pomp and vainglory your high thoughts and your ostentation for all these are vain they came not from the hand of god but are of your own creating but why then are they vain 
because they have no useful end riches are vain when they are spent upon luxury but they cease to be vain when they are dispersed and given to the needy but when thou hast spent them upon luxury let us look at the end of them what it is grossness of body flatulence pantings fullness of belly heaviness of head softness of flesh feverishness enervation for as a man who shall draw into a leaking vessel labours in vain so also does the one who lives in luxury and self-indulgence draw into a leaking vessel but again that is called vain which is expected indeed to contain something but contains it not that which men call empty as when they speak of empty hopes and generally that is called vain which is bare and purposeless which is of no use let us see then whether all human things are not of this sort let us eat and drink for to-morrow we die what then tell me is the end corruption let us put on clothing and raiment and what is the result nothing such are the lives of the greeks they philosophized but in vain they made a show of life of hardship but of mere hardship not looking to any beneficial end but to vainglory and to honour from the many but what is honour of the many it is nothing for if they themselves which render the honour perish much more does the honour he that renders honour to another ought first to render it to himself for if he gain not honour for himself how can he ever render it to another whereas now we seek even honours from vile and despicable characters themselves dishonourable and objects of reproach what kind of honour then is this perceive ye how that all things are vanity of vanities therefore saith he in the vanity of their mind but further is not the religion of this sort wood and stone he hath made the sun to shine for a lamp to light us who will worship his own lamp the sun supplies us with light but where he cannot a lamp can do it then why not worship thy lamp nay one will say i worship the fire oh how ridiculous so great is the absurdity and yet look again at another absurdity why extinguish the object of thy worship why destroy why annihilate thy god wherefore dost thou not suffer thy house to be filled with him for if the fire be god let him feed upon thy body put not thy god under the bottom of thy kettle or thy cauldron bring him into thy inner chambers bring him within thy silken draperies whereas not only dost thou not bring him in but if by any accident he has found entrance thou drivest him out from every place thou callest everybody together and as though some wild beast had entered thou weepest and wailest and callest the presence of thy god an overwhelming calamity i have a god and i do all i can to enshrine him in my bosom and i deem it my true bliss not when he visits my dwelling but when i can draw him even to my heart do thou too draw the fire to thine heart this is folly and vanity 
fire is good for use not for adoration good for ministration and for service to be my slave not to be my master it was made for me not i for it if thou art a worshipper of fire why recline upon thy couch thyself and order thy cook to stand before thy god take up the art of cookery thyself become a baker if thou wilt or a coppersmith for nothing can be more honourable than these arts since these are they that thy god visits why deem that art a disgrace where thy god is all in all why commit it to thy slaves and not be ambitious of it thyself fire is good inasmuch as it is the work of a good creator but it is not god it is the work of god it was not called god seest thou not how ungovernable is its nature how when it lays hold on a building it stops nowhere but if it seizes anything continuous it destroys all and except the hands of workmen or others quench its fury it knows not friends nor foes but deals with all alike is this then your god and ye are not ashamed well indeed does he say in the vanity of their mind but the sun they say is god tell me how and wherefore is it that he sheds abundance of light yet dost thou not see him overcome by clouds and in bondage to the necessity of nature and eclipsed and hidden by the moon and yet the cloud is weaker than the sun but still it often gains the mastery of him and this indeed is the work of god's wisdom god must needs be all-sufficient but the sun needs many things and this is not like a god for he requires air to shine in and that too thin air since the air when it is greatly condensed suffers not the rays to pass through it he requires also water and other restraining power to prevent him from consuming for were it not that fountains and lakes and rivers and seas formed some moisture by the emission of their vapours there would be nothing to prevent an universal conflagration dost thou see then say ye that he is a god what folly what madness a god say ye because he has power to do harm nay rather for this very reason is he no god because where he does harm he needs nothing whereas where he does good he requires many things besides now to do harm is foreign to god's nature to do good is his property where then the reverse is the case how can he be god seest thou not that poisonous drugs injure and need nothing but when they are to do good need many things for thy sake then is he such as he is both good and powerless good that thou mayest acknowledge his lord and powerless that thou mayest not say that he is lord but say they he nourishes the plants and the seeds what then at that rate is not the very dung a god for even that also nourishes and why not at that rate the scythe as well and the hands of the husbandman 
prove to me that the sun alone does the work of nourishing without needing the help of either earth or water or tillage but let the seeds be sown and let him shed forth his rays and produce the ears of corn but now if this work be not his alone but that of the rains also wherefore is not the water a god also but of this i speak not yet why is not the earth too a god and why not the dung and the hoe shall we then tell me worship all alas what trifling and indeed rather might the ear of corn be produced without sun than without earth and water and so with plants and all other things were there no earth none of these things could ever appear and if any one as children and women do were to put some earth into a pot and to fill up the pot with a quantity of dung and to place it under the roof plants though they may be weak ones will be produced from it so that the contribution of the earth and of the dung is greater and these therefore we ought to worship rather than the sun he requires the sky he requires the air he requires these waters to prevent his doing harm to be his bridles to curb the fierceness of his power and to restrain him from letting loose his rays over the world like some furious horse and now tell me where is he at night whither has your god taken his departure for this is not like a god to be circumscribed and limited this is in fact the property of bodies only but say they there is some sort of power residing in him and he has motion is this power then i pray you itself god why then is it insufficient in itself and why does it not restrain the fire for again i come to the same argument but what is that power is it productive of light or does it by the sun give light though of itself possessing none of these qualities if so then is the sun superior to it how far shall we unwind this maze again what is water is not that too they say a god this again is a matter of truly absurd disputation is that not a god they say which we make use of for so many purposes and so again in like manner of the earth truly they walk in the vanity of their mind being darkened in their understanding but these words he is now using concerning life and conduct the greeks are fornicators and adulterers of course they who paint to themselves such gods as these will naturally do all these things and if they can but escape the eyes of men there is no one to restrain them for what will avail the argument of a resurrection if it appear to them a mere fable yea and what that of the torments of hell they too are but a fable and mark the satanic notion when they are told of gods who are fornicators they deny that these are fables but believe them yet whenever any shall discourse to them of punishment these they say are poets men who turn everything into fable that man's happy condition may be on all sides overturned but the philosophers it is said 
discovered something truly grand and far better than these how they who introduced fate and who tell us that nothing is providential and that there is no one to care for anything but that all things consist of atoms or others again who say that god is a body or who tell me are they are they those who would turn the souls of men into the souls of dogs and would pervade mankind that one was once a dog and a lion and a fish how long will ye go on and never cease trifling being darkened in the understanding for they say and do all things as though they were indeed in the dark both in those things which concern doctrine and those which concern life and conduct for the man who is in darkness sees none of the things which lie before him but oftentimes when he sees a rope he will take it for a live serpent or again if he is caught by a hedge he will think that a man or an evil spirit has hold of him and great is the alarm and great the perturbation such as these are the things they fear there were they in great fear it saith where no fear was but the things which they ought to fear these they fear not but just as children in their nurses arms thrust their hands incautiously into the fire and boldly into the candle also and yet are scared at a man clothed in sackcloth just so these greeks as if they were really always children as some one also amongst themselves has said the greeks are always children fear those things that are no sins such as filthiness of the body the pollution of a funeral a bed or the keeping of days and the like whereas those which are really sins unnatural lust adultery fornication of these they make no account at all no you may see a man washing himself from the pollution of a dead body but from dead works never and again spending much zeal in the pursuit of riches and yet supposing the whole is undone by the crowing of a single cock so darkened are they in their understanding their soul is filled with all sorts of terrors for instance such a person one will say was the first who met me as i was going out of the house of course ten thousand evils must certainly ensue at another time the wretch of a servant in giving me my shoes held out the left shoe first terrible mishaps and mischiefs i myself in coming out set forth with the left foot foremost and this too is a token of misfortune and these are the evils that occur about the house then as i go out my right eye shoots up from beneath this is a sure sign of tears again the women when the reeds strike against the standards and ring or when they themselves are scratched by the shuttle turn this also into a sign and again when they strike the web with the shuttle and do it with some vehemence and then the reeds on the top from the intensity of the blow strike against the standards and ring this again they make a sign and ten thousand things besides deserving of ridicule and so if an ass should bray or a cock should crow or a man should sneeze 
or whatever else may happen, like men bound with ten thousand chains, or, as I was saying, like men confined in the dark, they suspect everything, and are more slavish than all the slaves in the world. But let it not be so with us, but scorning all these things, as men living in the light, and having our citizenship in heaven, and having nothing in common with earth, let us regard but one thing as terrible, that is, sin, and offending against God. And if there be not this, let us scorn all the rest, and him that brought them in, the devil. For these things let us give thanks to God. Let us be diligent, not only that we ourselves be never caught by this slavery, but if any one of those who are dear to us have been caught, let us break his bonds asunder. Let us release him from this most bitter and contemptible captivity. Let us make him free and unshackled for his course toward heaven. Let us raise up his flagging wings and teach him to be wise for life and doctrine's sake. Let us give thanks to God for all things. Let us beseech him that he will not declare us unworthy of the gifts offered to us, and let us ourselves withal endeavor to contribute our own part, that we may teach not only by speaking, but by acting also. For thus shall we be able to attain his unnumbered blessings, of which God grant we may all be counted worthy, in Christ Jesus our Lord, with whom, to the Father and the Holy Ghost together, be glory, might, and honor, now, henceforth, and for ever and ever. Amen. End of Homily 12